Hi, and uh, welcome to EMS Office Hours. This is Tim Hoffman, your host, of course, as always. Um, and I want to thank you for taking a quick 30 minutes with me and joining in on the conversation, maybe in the live chat room, or maybe even posting comments below the recording of this session, if that's what you happen to be listening to. Um, tonight, i got a couple of topics I want to discuss. Uh, but uh, before we get going, of course, I'd like to just go ahead and uh, mention a few things that are going on at EMS Office Hours and over at the EMS Professional. And of course, the one thing that I would like to bring up is EMS Boot Camp. And uh, we've actually got a kind of a theme going on over there right now where we've got a series, a little mini-series we have going on with Stephen Canarian, and he's an uh, instructor over at uh, LaGuardia Community College's uh, paramedic program. And it's, it's, the title of it is called Things You Should Know, Partner. And he's kind of subtopics on that. He just did one where he talked about um, dealing with, you know, uh, partners, more experienced partners, talking about uh, doing cardiac arrest in the field and how to interact with other people. Um, talked about a little bit about intubation, entire CO2, stuff like that. And really great content that he gave out um, the last uh, session that he just did this past uh Thursday just passed. Um, the next one coming up is on February 24th. It's going to be at 7 p.m. And uh, the second part of the series, he's going to talk about MCI and lessons that he's learned in MCI. And he's going to talk also a little about um, he belongs to one of those USAR um, agencies as well. And talk a little about he's going to be talking some about that as well, experiences and lessons he's learned on that end as well. So it should be some pretty good content on that. Of course, the live sessions at EMS Bootcamp are free, and you can sign up uh, between anywhere between now and February 24th when it starts, and it's going to be uh, over at emsbootcamp.com. Uh, one other thing before I get going, I, I just want to mention that uh, I, I, EMS Office Hours was nominated, actually, for uh, EMS Blog of the Year. Um, I was really flattered and, and honored that I was nominated as uh, one of the EMS Blogs for the year. Um, got some significant voting going on, not enough to win, I'm sure, uh, from the looks of it, some of the people that were way ahead of me. Uh, in those blogs, so I'm sure they they uh, they came out on top. Um, I don't really have a preference to who was going to win. Of course, you know I wanted to win, but I'm sure that you know maybe next year I'll have a better shot at it once they get the emails over so I was going more and getting it out there into the public, into the in front of people a little bit more. So we'll see what happens. But I will say it was fun. It was fun trying to get the votes out there. It was fun trying to get people engaged in voting and engaged in visiting not just my blog but all the blogs that were included. In the um, the in the uh, the contest, and uh, in addition to the fire blogs that were there as well, so um, firecritic.com is the one that went ahead and I think sponsored the whole thing. Um, and tonight, actually at nine o'clock, uh, over on Blog Talk Radio, actually uh, the, uh, the the Firefighter Nation has a live podcast. We're going to be announcing the winners uh, from the from the contest. Um, I'm probably going to try to tune in and see who the winners were, who the top uh, two or three people in each category were. So that should be pretty cool to listen to. I'll look it up on Blog Talk Radio. I'm not going to have time to post it in the in the show notes for this show, but uh, check that out at uh, Blog Talk Radio. Just look up Fire uh, Firefighter Nation. I'm sure it'll come up pretty easily um, for you to do it. If you're in the chat room and you know that link, you can post it in the chat uh, so anybody coming on can go ahead and uh, get in on that. So. That's just uh, you know a little side note there to see who the winners are and, and keep supporting these blogs that are out there. It's a lot of work running these blogs, um, a lot of effort, a lot of time, 
and a lot of attention to, to, to detail that goes into it. So, you know, everyone deserves to be uh, on that list. So uh, go support them. Check out the blogs that, that are there. Um, and, uh, you know, let your voice be heard and own the comments and the commentary going on the blogs and, you know, kind of comment and, and take part in the conversation, in the comments, the opinions, and, and the content that's, that's going on there. So um, today... Uh, I, I want to talk about something. Uh, the main topic is going to be uh, when when does somebody actually become a patient? You know, is it when they call number one? Is it when you get unseen? Uh, who decides when someone actually becomes a patient or not? Um, this topic actually was was fueled by an article I actually looked on. Uh, it was at Gems, and uh, Dr. Blizzo wrote an article about EMS system abuse. Um, and it's a pretty good article, and, uh, you know, he talks a little bit about all the nonsense calls he's had in his career and, and um, even as a doctor and, and you know, noticing how the abuse just doesn't seem to stop. And in the end, his opinion is, is the fact that, you know, until some social issues and some, some uh, society's problems are solved, it, that abuse is going to keep going. And to a point, I can agree with that, but I think there's things we can do to minimize that abuse. But I don't want to talk about abuse, really, um, but just, I'm just mentioning that article because that's kind of what fueled my my uh, interest in kind of bringing up this kind of subtopic to that system abuse. Um, and if you go to the article, I'll put, put the, the link in the show notes, of course, for that article. Uh, you can read Bledsoe's article, and then more importantly, look at the comments uh, that people were um, noting uh, after the article, so um, you know pe people get pretty hot and pretty interested in this type of a, of, a, of an article and the comments that get made. Um, so pretty interesting reading. You know, field providers' comments on what he, Dr. Blizzo mentioned um, is about 34 actual comments there. So pretty interesting to read that stuff and uh, you know become uh, engaged in that that conversation. But for me, when I talk about you know, when someone uh, is a, uh, a patient or not, you know, I'm trying to I'm, I'm thinking as far as you know when you get people that that uh, call 911 and it's not necessarily the the, the patient that called it's somebody else that called um you know it it's it's the patient that actually called for you know for the ambulance you know it's not it's it's not the family member so when does it become the issue for when the patient the person actually becomes a patient um i do have somebody on the line i just want to bring them in so we can start get some of the conversation going here um you can feel free to call in as well um we got enough room on here for two three callers so uh the toll free number is 877-217-3924 and the uh, regular regular number is 646-915-9713 but again toll free is 877 217-3924. Uh, who are we having a line with me right now? Hey, Jim. Long time no see. <laughs> yeah. How you doing? Oh, not too bad. This is Russell, if you haven't noticed. No, nah, I recognize your voice. It hasn't been that long. <laughs> it hasn't been that long. So, Russ, what do you what do you think? I mean, <clears throat> you know, you get these calls where you get someone that calls 911 for somebody else, and the person that, that is there doesn't really want an ambulance, isn't really exhibiting any type of injuries, but it's the person who, who called, uh, you know, it's their opinion that the, that the person needs an ambulance, that the person needs medical attention. Um, you know, did that, did that person automatically become a patient just because somebody else called for them? Um, you know what I mean? Or, or, is, it, or is it EMS's clinical decision, EMS's kind of outlook on whether or not the patient, that person is actually wound up being a patient? 
Well, some systems define a patient as anybody who, who accesses 911. Right. But I've always been taught that a patient is a person with a complaint. Right. So if you, if, and so it's, it's usually always determined by, made by an on-scene decision that, as, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm actually at work right now. And, uh, we had a call previously in the day where, uh, a lady had called for the, for the police. And since, uh, the fire department is dispatched through the police on most matters, we got the call to for an assault. Well, when we got there, she had no complaint. You know, she had, she had been to the hospital already for, you know, uh, twice, uh, in the past 12 hours. She didn't want to go to the hospital, not 12, but 24 hours. She didn't want to go to the hospital and she had no complaint. She right. is, by definition, not a patient. Sure. You know, so, the other day, I don't know if you remember on Twitter, I, I kind of griped a little bit because I had a caller who had called, um, you know, 911 uh, for, uh, I think with a nosebleed. But when we get there, he was he was like, well, I don't really need an ambulance. I, I called you because my cell phone was running out of minutes and I want to use your cell phone. You know, and it, <laughs> I mean, but the thing like the, the, the problem with that is, yeah, you know, it, it's it's like nonsense. Right. And, you know, you, you kind of almost relieve. You don't have to start taking like something like that to the hospital. But at the same time, now you've got to start generating paperwork because now technically he's a patient because he did call 911. You know what I mean? And now I'm sitting yeah. there doing a refusal on this person when there really is nothing to refute. What am I refusing that the fact that he want that I wouldn't let him use my cell phone? You know what I mean, and right. and like you said, it, it really should be more when somebody calls nine one one and 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 you get there, there's, there's an actual complaint going on, or even a not even necessarily a complaint, but maybe a uh, you know an obvious injury. You know, someone's unconscious, or they're obviously altered, or you know, exhibiting some type of um, you know outward medical issue going on, a traumatic issue going on. You know where okay, yeah. maybe they won't go to the hospital, but you're going to at least evaluate them. You're going to go ahead and get a refusal. Um, Russ, I got what, somebody else on the line. Let me see who we got here. All right, who's with us right now? Is Josh, is that Josh. you? Right. Yeah, Josh from right. Hey, how uh, hey, you doing, Russell? Oh, not too bad. Staying warm. Uh, well, it's you know twenty or thirty degrees here, so it's not that bad. You get a lot of snow by you, Russell? Uh, no, we did not get any snow at all. Oh, you're lucky. Lucky you. So, Josh, <laughs> yeah. what, Josh, what do you think? When when are they becoming a patient? Is, is it when they call 911? Is it is it when they have a complaint? Is it the decision of the caller or the decision of EMS? I mean, what, what's your opinion? You know, Jim, it's, it's kind of funny you bring this up. I mean, this is the stickiest wicket of them all. Um, yes. When when does somebody become a patient? Well, if you're in New York, anytime you're, you call 911 and ask for an ambulance, hey, you're a patient. Um, if somebody stops you on the street, you're a patient. Um, and you have to generate paperwork. I understand that in, like, Arizona, a EMS provider can go out there and basically, even if the person wants to go to the hospital and it's a non-transportable or it's non-critical in the sense that they don't need immediate transport, they can give them a bus fare and let them go to the hospital. Right. 
So well, reason, uh, bless Dr. Blessel's article, he was talking about that, about how some systems have you know, tried to do that, and it wanted to go into the wayside because the medics either aren't comfortable enough leaving patients um, after their evaluation and after getting, you know, uh, evaluating the patient to tell them that they don't need an ambulance, not really a, uh, uh, an emergent patient. And a lot of those those type of, um, you know, uh, projects, I guess, uh, want to go into the wayside because the medics are uncomfortable or they're not proficient enough to um, figure out, you know, when if someone really needs an ambulance or not. You know, what I mean? they're not they're not comfortable enough and they have clinical skills to figure out if somebody you know, wants an ambulance or not. Um, let me just tell you guys, you know, one thing too. After reading that, that article and and you know, I think about I have an issue with with the uh, the police police departments where where I work, where they tend to call a, you know, an ambulance to a scene. Um, for everything under the sun, and it's not because they're on a scene and someone's complaining of something. You know, they'll get on, they'll get into an M, on a scene of an MVA, and there'll be no complaints. And everybody be walking around, and they'll decide because uh, somebody's a, a certain age or something like that, they want an ambulance there for the patient to be evaluated. And uh, you know, then you get there, and of course, there's no complaints when you get on, you know, on the scene. But now you've got to do an RMA, you know, for someone who has no complaints. Hey, Jim, if you look at it uh, from a, a litigious uh, aspect, which is basically where the com uh, country is driven, and if you uh, saw the State of the Union, he was talking about bringing down costs of, um, of frivolous lawsuits and all of that, but we're not there. And so what's the golden rule? The golden rule in medicine is do no harm. So, you know, if in doubt, transport. But I think that's the problem, though. You know, I think that's the problem is that we're so busy trying to protect ourselves, you know, from from litigation that we're not taking care of patients the way we should. You know, and we're tying ourselves up, um, you know, protecting ourselves rather than taking care of people that actually need our services and and people that are actual patients uh, out there. You know, and, and we're just so tied up in that. I mean, where does the line get drawn, and where do we start taking responsibility for the care that we're giving, and, and the assessments that we're doing, and the transport and non-transports that that we're you know we're doing? You know, um, and I understand that you know the agencies have policies, and, and regions have policies, and then again, like you said, that the whole you know legality of it all, where well, you've got issues uh, with that, but. You know, there has to be some type of a, uh, you know, a line against Trump. You know, because if you think about it, you know, when you're called to these type of these assignments and where you're you're kind of forced to generate paperwork for a, a person with no complaints, no obvious injuries, and even if you want to throw in that whole mechanism of injury type, you know, thing too. Uh, you know, it's putting a strain, I think, on on EMS systems. It's putting a, a strain on the systems as a as a whole. You know, big areas like New York City, that might not be as much of an issue, but in smaller areas, I think it becomes an issue when you've got ambulances stretched out so thin and everyone's running around trying to cover, you know, trying to cover their butt rather than taking care of patients. Uh, well, I think it's just a matter of degree and what you look at. I mean, we had calls in the snowstorm for people who couldn't get take-in food, take-out food delivered. Right. Uh, so they wanted us to clear away to their front door. I mean, there's there's some insane calls in terms of uh, abuses of the system. I was thinking of your, you know, the cell cell minutes call it would have made me nuts. I don't right. know the solution. Yeah, I don't I don't know what, I don't know the solution either. I mean, I, is it is it is it on the provider to start trying to take initiative and 
and uh, you know being creative in the documentation. You know whether it's you know for a patient. You know because then you get you have the other side too where you get these types of patients in even if they want to be transported. You know some people too that have no complaints, but you're, you're forced to transport them like you know uh, emotion disturbed type patients who don't have a medical issue, but it's a psychiatric issue. You know, and why that is uh, something that EMS has to deal with when there's no overdose involved or alcohol or uh, injury and things like that. Um, you know, why that becomes a medical call, you know, and, and now you've got to try to document it in a way um, so that, you know, you're getting paid for the call or you can try to document it in a way that justifies uh, the ambulance ride, you know. Um, and it did a lot of calls like that, you know. And, you know, Bledsoe talks in his article between um, – Talked about system abusers and and frequent flyers, and so, so I made a comment in that, and you know it, it's kind of a, a it's pretty clear like someone who calls for settlement, if that that's an abuser, right? But the people that call chronically because they're frequent flyers because you know they've got a diabetic issue or you know something like chronic pain or something like that, those are more the frequent flyer type thing. Doesn't make it any easier on us, you know, but uh, you know you wind up having uh, that, that that balance, I guess, you have to kind of throw in there. Well, uh, one of the things you said before, and Russell, you know, definitely chime in, man. Um, but mm -hmm. one of the things you said before, Jim, was, you know, where does this get initiated? And I think that there is – we're unfortunately not able to be the ones to initiate this. There's just There's just no possible way because if you think about the food chain, we're at the low end of that totem pole. If we decide, well, you don't need an ambulance, that could be, you know, that provider's job. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, Russ, I mean, how do you guys handle it where you are as far as, you know, calls like that? Do, do you generate paperwork for every patient like that? Um, well, like I said earlier, it really depends on the situation. If they have a complaint, then yes. Uh, if they, if we get there and they, you know, they did, they did call 911, but they, you know, it, the complaint that they had when they called passed, then they still qualify. That's still, we still require paperwork on that. But if we get there, they didn't call for an ambulance or the person that called left the scene or, or one of those, then there's no patient found. And that's, you know, if they, if, if they, you know, like earlier, they called the police, but they didn't call for an ambulance, but we kind of got lumped into that package deal. Right. Where we showed up. Are you injured? No. Are you hurt anywhere at all? No. Okay. Bye. We're so done. now do you generate paperwork on a patient for that, or is it just paperwork generated for the call just to say it was unfounded or uh, a no patient found type type thing? Um, we generate paperwork just because, you know, it was a call. Every call that we make has to have a report. Okay. Thank you. Of, yeah. Every I mean, call don't that we you, make has yeah. Don't you guys start thinking that, you know, in this day and age, too, you know, you talk about litigation and how we're always trying to protect ourselves. I mean, don't you think to a point, too, we're kind of opening ourselves up to more litigation by taking somebody who has no complaint and now you're you're forcing them to give you their personal information, you know, their date of birth, their phone numbers, their medical history, their drugs, you know, things like that, just to RMA them uh, to cover ourselves, you know, where they can say, I I'm not comfortable giving you this information, you know what I mean, at, I think you want yeah, to if, go ahead. Well, I mean, it, it, that that it comes down to documentation. Is that you know, the patient, the 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 person didn't wish to provide this information, which right. 
they have that legal right to do so. Sure, uh, I think so we're they, finding the first universal aspect of EMS across the country here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every 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 run gets some paperwork if the patient and we we don't force them, you know, I can't tie them down. There's no truth serum uh I can inject into them and nor would I. I mean, if they want to give me, I mean, you know, sometimes uh and we've all had the calls of the person uh standing on the street corner waiting for you. You pick them up. They give you a name. They say they have no documentation. They give you an address. I mean, you write it down, and it turns out when you get into the ED that they've seen this person before, and the address and the name that they gave you is completely false. So right. all we're doing is just documenting that based on what knowledge we were provided by this patient while they were conscious uh, is the the foundation for any treatment modality we decide to uh, enact. But those people, the people that actually wanted to be transported, that they then they actually called the ambulance. They wanted an ambulance for whatever reason, whether they're trying to get closer to the, you know, to to the to where they work, or they want to, you know, closer to their friend's house or something like that. Um, you know, my thing is more the people who don't call at all. Like, you know, why should um, a bystander or why should you know the police department decide when somebody becomes a patient? You know, and then for, forcing us to start asking patients, you know, for information and forcing us to, you know, uh, give an exam and an evaluation uh, of somebody who has no complaints. You know, it, I think it should be the person who the person who has the complaint, and it should be EMS who decides whether or not somebody's a patient or not. And, yes, paperwork should be generated because of the fact you were called to the scene so that it's documented that you were there. But I don't think, you know, you need to be getting, you know, the demographics from somebody that just doesn't want nothing to do with you, you know, at all, and it never even, you know, initiated the contact to begin with. Oh, I you agree know. with that. I'm a, I'm a little confused, though. In your neck of the woods, if, uh, if PD calls and says this person is a patient, um, you must transport that person? No we, have, no, we don't have to transport them. We have to evaluate them. But they will. But we do have the situation, though, which you know, which I think a lot of places do. When when police when the police decide somebody the psych patient, then you have to transport that psych patient. You know, we're actually kind of we're actually kind of different in that aspect. Uh, if we if we like we have this situation with the payphone down the street from where I'm presently sitting, that uh, they will. Uh, they will call from the payphone and say, you know, I'm threatening to kill myself or I want to hurt myself or, you know, whatever or whatnot. And we won't go down there because, you know, directly without the police there because it's, you know, right. Like the scene safety type you know. thing. And, yeah. Yeah. They, they show up. The police will ask them, you know, are you hurt? Have you hurt yourself or have you attempted to hurt yourself in any way or anything like that? No. Usually the answer is no. They, you know, they said, I've just, I've just thought about it. So right. the police, so we'll, you know, we'll get a call from, we'll get a call from our dispatchers through the relay that said, you know, the officers are there now. We'll go down there and they'll just say bye. They'll, you know, they'll wave us off because they're going to do the transport. Right. Which, Which I, you know, that's, I, that's, I, I think, yeah, I think sometimes the police do that for the fact that if they had staff and they have personnel, you know, they'll go ahead and initiate and do the transport for non-medical type psych patients. I think you see it more when you've got systems that are overloaded or you have a, uh, you know, a low 
um, you know, police force, you don't have, you know, not many people on the police force and you don't want to tax the, you know, the personnel, then they start using, nine, you know, the ambulance as the, 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 the transport, you know, way to get to the get that person to the hospital for, as a psychiatric patient. The disposition you know, of the call. Yeah, we so. did have one. We did have one rookie officer try to pull that one time, where they wanted to transport to the psychiatric hospital, but um, port there. You know, the municipal service doesn't transport there, and uh, his lieutenant caught a hold of it, and uh, he got a uh, he got a verbal put down right in the middle of the middle of the scene because he's that lieutenant looked at him and said, "We don't call." the fire department for this. You say, and he pointed at him and said, you do the transport. This is your job. Oh, um, God bless so, that man. Yes. So, and, that, and that's how it's, that's pretty much how it's always been. Yeah, I mean, I know that the, that the, where I am, we, there's been consults with, like, local mental health at the, the bigger authorities and trying to clarify because the abuse is so, so big of the amount of people they call you know, to to do psych transports for that are not medically, you know, having to have a medical emergency going on and uh, try to clarify what the police officer's responsibility are. And mental health tells us, well, if there's no medical reason, they should be transported to the hospital. But then, you know, try to tell that to the police chief, the police captain, and, and the officer on the scene that are now so ingrained of have calling EMS for that type of a transport that where there really isn't a patient, you know, medical patient, you know, it, it's it's... Just, I think, again, it's something that winds up taxing the system and, and make, taking, kind of taking the patient care, the initial patient care, at least, out of our hands as providers and putting it into everybody else's hands. And where we're being dictated to, you know, when somebody is a patient, when, you know, there is no complaint, there is no injury, there is no, you know, nothing that really points to any type of, uh, you know, emergency care being needed. So what you're saying is right. that you need a feedback or a, uh, a system where if they're going to make that call and say, look, I need EMS to transport this person, then they need to have some ownership in that call as well. Right. Like in New York, you know, if, if, if PD calls and says this person is an EDP, they got to go to the hospital, you know, we we're not going to arrest them because they clearly have uh, an issue here. Uh, they have to go for the ride to the hospital. Right. Because they called, they called. It's like their disposition, so they have to follow it through. Yeah, the funny thing is, by me, what they do is they it, they'll call and they'll say, "Oh, the person has to go," you know, because they're a threat to themselves or others or whatever. Um, and then what they do is fill out a form and they give you the form, and that's 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 as good as that's as good as them being in, in the ambulance with you, you know. So, and I I can't tell you how many times I've been in the back with some psych patient, you know, for a nice you know thirty minute ride to the hospital. I'm saying to myself, this guy or this woman could really freak out back here, and what am I actually going to be able to do, you know, if they start getting violent on me? By the time the cops get there and everything else, it's, whatever's going to happen is going to be over, you know. So it, it winds up being a safety issue, too, I think. When there's no medical problem, it's just a psychiatric issue. Why are you putting EMS in danger, you know, to transport someone like that. That's not, again, it's not a medical patient. You know, there's no overdose, no no drugs or alcohol or injury from an attempted, you know, suicide or anything like that. So, I mean, you know, I guess you can go round and round in circles with this type of a thing. You know, like like you said, it, it's a lot of it's got to do with legalities of, of, of what it is. And, um, 
you know, the, the systems that we work in, you know, and some of them are, some of them are, are, you know, more flexible. You know, Russell, yours seems to be a little more uh, giving, I think, um, than, than others. I mean, I think New York is a little behind the times with a lot of this stuff, and and uh, when it comes to patient transports and, you know, never mind protocols, but, you know, patient transports and stuff, um, you know, a little bit behind the times with that, you know, it, it, I guess because we have enough ambulances to go around. Maybe when you have less, you have to finagle and figure out ways to uh, do more with less, you know. So well, I think you opened a, you know, the door to an entirely different question is in terms of um, uh, what is our safety valued at? What is, you know, our, um, our actions and our participation in the system valued at? If somebody can just say, hey, go do this, then we're nothing more than errand boys. If they can go and fill out a form, rip it off, give you a copy, and send the person with you, what are you? You know, you become a taxi. Um, right. You know, and there's a, a point when you need to have position within the uh, uh, within the environment that you're working. Right. Do we have another call on the line with us? Or no, it's me. Back? I got hung up I had, on. I had a feeling. I had a feeling you jump back on there. <laughs> well, I mean, we're almost out of time anyway, guys. You know, it's, just, it's a quick 30 minutes, I think, when you talk about a topic like this. It really goes by uh, pretty Good quick. Topic. Oh, yeah. You know, so, I mean, again, this is maybe we can continue this later on and maybe zero down a little bit more on it. Um, but uh, before we go, of course, Russell, what do you got going on? Anything going on? You got the apparatus floor. I know you're working on some video stuff. Uh, over at your end too. Anything you want to uh, chime in on? Let, let the listeners know about. Uh, well, uh, the video thing is is going slow. You'd be surprised how much work actually goes into to I know you know two or three two or three minutes of actual airtime. I know. Uh, no. <laughs> but uh, you know, we haven't podcasted in a while either. Uh, that might be something where we'll continue on with this. What is a patient? Sure. Uh, topic because I can take up longer than thirty minutes. <laughs> sure, exactly, exactly. That would be a good one. Send us emails. Yeah, I try to. I, I try. I can. Ma I can make these a little bit longer, but I try to make them quick. You know, I can make them. You know, uh, up to two hours if I wanted to, but I try to make them a little shorter so uh, you know we can get as much content and kind of you know not uh, lose people's uh, train of thought. You know. Because I know I'll, I'll, yeah. I, I I go on to the next thing pretty quickly. I'm sure a lot of people are too. So, Dress, I'll go ahead and I'll put the link, of course, to your blog, the hybridmedic.com, um, you know, in the show notes, so people can go check out some of the previous podcasts and uh, and uh, check out what you got going on over there. I know you got some stuff about Detroit happening and all that. So it's a pretty good uh, commentary you got going on over there. So I'll put a link in. People can go check that out. Um, Josh, what about you? I know you got the the new release of your your uh, little tactical wrench there. Yeah, um, the the TK3 is humming along. I'm I'm you know getting some pretty good response uh, to it. I've hit a good note. Where my focus is right now is trying to get ready for the Gems EMS Today show. Um, okay. You know, anytime those conferences come up, they just the amount of work is insane. Right. But I, I invite there. everybody here to uh, – will you? That's awesome. Stop yeah. by and say hi, you know. Oh, yeah, good. I'll good. be there. Cool. Well, Josh, again, I'll, I'll put a link to the to your site um, below in the show notes too. Anyone right. want to check out any of those wrenches and uh, pick one up? It's a great tool. Highly recommend it. Um, you know, go check it out, and, uh, you know, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And Josh actually had a pretty good, cool little video over there about the, about it breaking a, uh, a car window. So – uh, go check that out, guys. It's 
well worth the uh, the visit over there. So, Josh, thanks. Thanks for joining me. Russell, thanks for joining me. Have a great night, guys. You too. Well, guys, I want to thank you for uh, joining me tonight. Um, you know, out of time as usual. You know, 30 minutes goes pretty quick. Uh, and I, you know, I just want to thank you for joining me again. Thank you for chatting in the in the in the chat room, joining us there at least, listening in. If you didn't have a chance to get into the chat or uh, call in, you still want to make a comment about the show, go ahead and send me an email. It's jhoffman at ems-safety.com. I'll go ahead and uh, you know try to put your comments in the show notes as well. Um, and of course, as always, remember that EMS office hours we're here for the EMS professional. I want to talk about what you're thinking regarding the EMS industry. So. Be sure to comment on the show below in the blog notes, um, or again, send me your email, jhoffman at ems-safety.com. Let me know your industry concerns, testing questions, or even want to talk about a call that you did recently, and I'll go ahead and try to get it into one of these upcoming episodes, and maybe you can come on and discuss that call as well. Um, thanks again for joining me. Again, this is Jim Hoffman from EMS Office Hours. As always, stay safe.